welcome to another episode of In Another World, a pop culture podcast. I am your host, Zachary Landold, and welcome to another edition of TV Tuesdays, where, in case you have missed the past couple of weeks, we are going through the first season of the NBC musical series, Smash. And I have a very special guest joining me today. He was also on the first season of In Another World. It is the man behind the hilarious, inappropriate Patty Persona Instagram account. It is Jonathan Hoover, and he is here to go into the Karen Cartwright of it all. And also, it turns out it is Jonathan Hoover's birthday, the day this is released, so be sure to head over to his social media and show him some love. He is the best. We had such a fun time. We went on so many tangents that I had to decide what to keep in, what to throw out, because we were just having so much fun. But before we dive into the episode, I just wanted to play a promo for this episode, which is episode three, Enter Mr. DiMaggio. So how do you feel about being in the ensemble? Wow. Show's great. I'm in. It's great. You smell good. See you in rehearsal. Am I late? I fired you once. I can do it again. <laughs> you can sure try. Ivy is dating Derek Wills. He's taking advantage of her. Maybe Ivy's taking advantage of him. She did get the part. Hello and welcome to another edition of TV Tuesdays where we are recapping the first season of the NBC musical series Smash and I am joined to cover episode three Enter Mr. DiMaggio by a friend of the podcast and the person behind the hilarious account Inappropriate Patty it's Jonathan Hoover. Why hello everybody. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing good. Obviously so happy to be here to talk about this amazing television show. But I'm sure you were watched for the first time for this podcast, yeah? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and didn't hate watch in its original mm, form, and nor like four or five times throughout this quarantine, because I literally miss being in a rehearsal room that much. I will even settle for the smash version of reality. Of being like, honestly, uh, witnessing the sexual harassment made me feel <sighs> right at home. <laughs> I was like, that's wrong. I'm like, it's accurate to when this was sadly but it, is, it is rough on a rewatch man oh. like they they say some like things of like ah but who cares about Derek being oh. like a molested or director that yeah. it's like ooh, got ooh, that would not fly today oh covering thank God. covering the pilot the entire harrowing scene when Karen goes to his apartment I was like Ooh, this plays. I mean, it didn't play great then, but like on a rewatch, I went, right. oh God, like <laughs> he's like one of the main characters. <laughs> right. And like, we're supposed to like him, I guess, question mark, or at least appreciate yeah, like, his art enough. When she slinks off in his shirt, he like does like a, a loving smirk at the camera. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, me. that whole, uh, the whole scene is so questionable and the, it's uh, almost like, yeah, an endorsement. Like, yeah, this happens. Like be Karen Cartwright, just have firm boundaries. 
<laughs> go to the bathroom first, collect yourself, and you know, only sort of do what he wants you to do. And like, you know. get him, like, tease him. Don't even like, you don't even have to do all that much. It doesn't be kind of slutty. Be like Gypsy Rose Lee. Like, give him all, make him want it, but then you like, don't <laughs> give it to him. <laughs> right. And Ivy Lynn was like, but I'm not my mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, we get whole gypsy moments later in the season for people that. Oh know. man, gets- uh, that that yeah. gave me uh, when that originally aired. Also, I don't want to like ruin this for your episode, but I think Bernadette sings live. It's it's really. I mean, it's I it's think not. So. It doesn't sound like a auto tuned. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, first of all, she's like, I'm Bernadette Peters. I can, I'll do it. I'll do it in the room. It's, it's okay. Um, also she the- probably was like, I'm not giving you two days. I'm not coming in for a recording. I'm not doing that. I'll sing a line. I love, I mean, she's not in this episode, but I do love Bernadette whenever she guest stars on anything. Because she just like walks in with that Bernadette energy that she can't, she can't even turn it off. She can't. I just want to know, is her like decolletage written into the contract? I imagine That's so. what I, I like. I imagine so. Uh, it is a signature. Even in Hello, Dolly, she had a high button collar shirt. And then like the buttons down her bust were undone. Stop, really? Corset. No, it was so, it was amazing. She's an icon. See, like, of course she's Ivy Lynn's mother. Of obviously. course she is. Though I have to say, uh, one callback to her, again, she's not in this episode, but we just we just, we just, just talk about whatever. They do, and I wonder if maybe they just didn't know what they were going to do with Ivy's parents, but in the pilot, they portray her mother on the phone like someone that knows nothing about theater. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. Well, there's a, there's a few little, like, a loose end wires yeah. from that pilot which i mean i think they hadn't yeah. quite cleaned up the like showtime idea fully <laughs> yeah i mean i think that's a pilot of anything if you go back and watch the pilot of most shows you're like wait a second that's that's, that's golden girls you're like who is this gay housekeeper where did he go <laughs> or what is this or even um i watched the pilot of the nanny recently and it's a completely not a completely different house but like there are entire sections of the house that are like totally not the house i'm like well, what where is this where did this go? thank god they just put that on hbo max oh thank god, you I can't even... thank you like why did i have to beg for that i mean like i was saying on twitter the other day i'm like you know i'm i feel really happy for these younger queer youths that get to grow up in a more accepting society but i get to grow up with the nanny so it's kind of like it all evens out like it's, it's okay. right right like i learned a lot from her fashion yeah, I mean, like, it's so funny because I didn't get into Barbara Streisand until high school, and I don't know how that was possible from me watching The Nanny as much as I did, because that mo- that show is a love letter to Barbara Streisand. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, 1,000%. Also, really? Were you into musical theater still at that? I Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, we grew up watching, like, we'd watch, like, the old MGM musicals and stuff, like, we watched My Fair Lady so much, and, like... And you just skipped right over funny girl i don't know how well it it was not i think in my parents wheelhouse (laughs) at all Mm. so well though then later my mom told me that one of the first dates her and my dad went on they went to see yentl so i'm just how to like how did barbara not come into the picture you know if yentl was my introduction to barbara streisand i don't know that i'd have been right on board you gotta you gotta love barbara oh yeah to love yentl i came in i mean because now i'm obsessed with yentl and i'm like oh it's (laughs) it's an undiscovered masterpiece um but if i had watched that first i would have been like okay 
don't know if she's for me. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd have to make it to Piece of Sky to like really get the yeah, thrill. Just go, just go to the ending. Fast forward to the yeah. ending. Everything's gonna be okay. Um, this is not about Yentl, but you know what? Clara Streisand <laughs> is like within the wheelhouse of Smash for sure. You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say what isn't about Yentl actually. <laughs> oh my god well we're covering episode three enter mr dimaggio um and the episode just kind of starts with ivy and derek sleeping together they just throw us into it they're just like yeah, right that's what's happening uh that's what you've missed <laughs> uh again with the amazing plot line of <sighs> Uh, uh, not a whole in truth later in the episode well i don't want to get ahead of ourselves but well, how that how that whole subject line is handled in this episode oh, and, is very interesting well and she she oh god like you know he's just entered her and she's like i'd like to work on the play sometime <laughs> and he's like no, no just kidding well he's like call that, my assistant that's what we're doing isn't it and she's like uh and he's like i'm kidding i'm like i don't think you're kidding and then the call my assistant that for me is the like you don't say that while you're in bed with someone like call my assistant i don't there was something wrapped in a sheet with some like i think it's weird because i even think that line was meant to be him like i'm gonna treat you like a professional and give you the professional answer i'm like yeah like that ship has sailed uh that ship uh has has left the dock your your upper lip smells like her already (laughs) why is she calling you calling your assistant call my assistant i'm like can i call your dick like (laughs) (laughs) much closer to that than your assistant like right. it's just like okay let's like you know let's calm down um and then we have we go straight from that into oh wait oh wait no 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 we i was like where what happens after that oh so then ivy is talking to i believe her name is jessica chorus girl jessica blonde hair mm-hmm. jessica. on the street being like oh my god you get to fuck the director <laughs> like that's what i'm saying when we don't when i don't want to get ahead of myself but like <laughs> so many times in there people are like oh my god you get to fuck you're the fucking director. Derek. oh my god yeah <laughs> is he good like <laughs> like one of them calls him hot and i just like i i take offense i think i would find derek hot if he wasn't a like absolute troll like you know i mean like like Mm -hmm. if i saw him you know his accent does not turn me on though i just like to make fun of it i you know i I make him sound like a pirate when i do my impression of him but like (laughs) when i think of this show i think of him saying get me arlene get me arlene rand you know get me all yeah yeah where is karen cartwright like you know it's like the entire show like just do like i want to take a shot every time he like shouts someone's name and that would be very intoxicated for every episode. I of the show. also this like tortured uh white male artist <laughs> trope that like I I just you know at the time <laughs> maybe we weren't so uh inundated with like white boy like yeah. over reactive yeah, yeah. feelings but like this whole trope of him being like this dangerous like moody artist that everybody loves it's so same with other men who you will talk about later in this series i'm uh, sure oh many yeah and also like you know what i i am very happy i did not see any of is the Derek wills directed my fair lady production apparently like what was that gonna be? <laughs> uh just as sexist as the show was intended to be because we weren't having the conversation yet <laughs> 
Except for the the newest one, where at least had her leave. She's like, I'm walking out to leaving the theater. Uh, <laughs> Which they did. I don't know if you saw it, but they did her no favors because the Lincoln Center steps are really short. Yeah. So she does this like grand exit but through the aisle. But it was like, doop, 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 like these short, like she makes this powerful exit. And it's like, it, it still symbolically sure, totally sure, sure. worked. But like the little part of me was like, I mean, we couldn't have given her like a, like a, like a really grand exit, not up this like itty bitty staircase. Yeah, like... I almost would have like just, um, I don't know how the set was, but like almost had her like going through the doorway, maybe it'd be like a silhouette in the doorway or something, like something where it's like, you get it, she's leaving. Um, or like the end of Last Midnight, just like have her throw some smoke and disappear into the floor. That <laughs> that would be okay does, too. You know, dissolve into the floor. That's always a great exit. That's like I mean, honestly, the witch into the woods. That's the greatest entrance and exit for any character. Maybe musical theater. Absolutely. Although Velma Kelly's entrance in All That Jazz and the Revival of Chicago is my dream entrance coming up from the floor with a like sea of a men. light yeah a sea of men mm-hmm. wearing a slinky black dress you know the whole thing i think mine's mama rose from the beginning of gypsy just like you know mm. shouting shouting with a dog down the aisle of a theater <laughs> like, iconic iconic i can't even um oh so then we get this awkward thing with karen meeting with derek after hours at a bar Mm-hmm. Um, where oh god he says there are so many lines in the show where I'm like this was written by someone in the theater and I can't believe it but he says to her you have way too much talent to just be in the ensemble and I'm like bitch you're still gonna be in the ensemble of a Broadway show like- well and also this whole idea that Catherine McPhee is the most talented person Stop. like Stop. why why they decided to write that in for someone that literally is like I'm trying so hard, Derek. Like oh they keep they uh, the episode where they I, I can't think it's like one of the next ones where they're like tone it down. I'm like oh, she can't. Wow. Like uh, she'll be on mute. What are you talking about? Like oh. they keep being like Karen so good and this whole I remember even from the pilot being like, huh? Like <laughs> her she okay. she she's. She's the one. She's Interesting. The one, I mean, Annalie Ashford was there too, but I guess the pink dress makes it not okay. But if we have her do her delivery a certain way, we can make the audience believe that Annalie Ashford is, is not that less good. talented not that than good. Kat McPhee. Well, one, you know, I've always wished that Marilyn had this great pop voice. So, like, obviously. You know, I, I want her to be taller, but like not as curvy, like, you know, not as much bust and like maybe like a maybe like taking like two clonopins before she starts the <laughs> right. show. Like, <laughs> right. Well, and maybe a glass of champagne at intermission. <laughs> you know, at least one or two. Well, because in the previous episode, she's doing a callback for Marilyn and she's doing a reading. And at one point, it's just like, it's like dead, just like void of anything. And at one point, she turns to Derek, she's like, should I be doing more Marilyn? I'm like, and any Marilyn, any <laughs> would be lovely. <laughs> Although, does that have the Foxtrot number in it? Yes, right. That, there, that's pretty. It's I mean, the, that's the one of the few times I'm like, God damn it, she has got that number. After that, that. I mean, I will say I flip flop between who my Marilyn actually is in the depending in on the, the number scheme of the show. Yeah, yeah, depending on, on the number. Oh well, I mean, yeah. I don't know if I mentioned this, but anytime during the episode, if you ever want to give a point to Karen or Ivy, we have our Marilyn leaderboard, which I am keeping a slow tally of how many points they each get. And at the end of the first season, 
I will announce the defenders of Maryland based on our right now they are tied from what we've done so far. Mm. This episode, this episode is so much exposition. There, there like is not a whole lot of Maryland opportunity. Like I would actually say in the original watch of this series, I think this is the episode I got angry and started hate watching it because like I really wanted it to be like the ER of Broadway and instead it was the glee which is fine like those kinds of things have their place but I was like so like rebuffed that like they would show a girl running to her final Broadway callback with only a clutch like like, um (laughs) Um, and this episode like Ellis starts to become like first of all they make him straight in this episode which I'm like why um and then like this episode starts to take that there's just not a whole lot of maryland because this is where they start to turn the wheel on like what the drama of this whole series is going to be yeah because we talked about how uh when we were covering the pilot how ellis and the pilot he he's not really annoying in the pilot he's kind of like no he's just a snitty gay yeah he's like a stupid little gay that like and, and that's like i also feel like they i mean not to whatever you know he could be bi, he could be pan, who knows? But like, I very much felt like they were broadcasting the fact that he was a homosexual based on the pilot. Um, yeah, he was- like the, I was going to be led to believe that he was going to like sleep through Tom yes. to become successful, Absolutely. which like I think would be a much stronger uh, plot line. That, I mean, honestly, really and truly. And I just, because this, I do think is the episode um and he'll come in in a second but i do feel like it's where ellis they decided like oh what if he was like a, like the a worst. sneaky prankster <laughs> yeah. just, like, you the know. worst person ever yeah um oh but before we get to all that so then dev shows up to this meeting out of nowhere um with derek and karen and him and uh, Mr. Mr. Wills get into an accent contest and a, a war of their masculinity against each other. A little, a little penis measuring yes. contest. Which I'm sorry, I'm picking Dev. Oh, all day. Dev got every such day. a character assassination on the first season of the show. One thousand percent, and he's so handsome. Also, where is that actor? Yeah, Has he easy. done more? Well, he he's... was in Sex in the City too, so there is that. Ah, mm, <laughs> maybe mm, that did it. That's the, that, that did it. <laughs> right, <laughs> poor guy. He quit after that. Oh man. So as we go into our first clip, we see them the next day. The Maryland creative team discussing the casting of the character of Joe DiMaggio. How many more do I need to see? My eyes are about to start bleeding. We can take a five and start talking offers. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. These are our top picks for DiMaggio, Arthur Miller, and JFK. And I just got a call from the agent. Michael Swift is available if you're interested in making him an offer for DiMaggio. He did a show with you, right? Yes. Well, he's terrific. Mm-hmm. Well, is he is he right for this? I've never seen him. Well, he's doing that Bruno Mars show at the Mama. Let's check him out tonight. Yes, I would die for you, baby. 
Thanks for Joe DiMaggio. Just enough to sell the vibe. Um, Wow. Can I say, though, I remember thinking, like, you know what? Bruno Mars jukebox musical, not the craziest idea. Like, I was like, I don't want it. But, like, I'm like, I could see that being a thing on Broadway. Although, in in some ways, I would love to see him do a show. He's, uh, He's so so talented oh, was, more than a jukebox musical i'd love to see bruno mars in a show oh i was just saying to someone last time like someone get him a movie musical because like you know he's handsome he can dance he can sing his face off i'm sure he has enough totally. charisma to like don't give him something too hard but like you know a romantic male lead thing i'm sure he could do that like yeah was, i'd be totally here for it like give me a break it's like whenever i watch la la land i'm like why couldn't and i love emma stone do not get me wrong i know she technically won an academy award but i'm like why couldn't that part have been played by like janelle monet like you know like, so, like right people that are just like walking around with so much talent and it's like guys those are the people you want to put in the movie musicals like what, what not even just talent like janelle monet was a musical theater girl who yeah. like wasn't like finding her way and was like fuck it i'm just gonna go be super famous Ugh. instead like caster is well i don't know if she could sing i was gonna say caster is uh sarah in a ragtime adaptation Ooh, i bet she actually could I'd watch that i have a whole be- dream cast for ragtime Oh, that's uh, that is a hole I would go down. <laughs> I, I could, I'll, here are my bullet points. So the mother and father, I would want to see Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway. I know they're kind of like go tos, okay. but I think they could both mm-hmm. do a good job. I would let. Well, actually, my my Sarah is actually Cynthia Revo in my head. I just think she would, uh, mm. would kill that. And I would just get Leslie Adam Jr. to play uh, Cole House. Cole House. You know, I, I would be here for all of that. Or even like I keep hearing that Michael B. Jordan can sing. I just haven't heard him sing. Mm. I I haven't thought about my like ideal ragtime movie cast, which is funny because it's one of my favorite musicals. <laughs> and I'm too stuck on Follies right now. I've been trying to oh, cast Follies. the perfect Follies movie. Oh, in Follies. My... I have I literally have like four people for every role that I'm like, can I oh. talk to Rob Marshall or Ashford? Right. To, can can I like, can I have a sit down and and talk to you about who should do this oh i've done that so i've done my dream casting for folly so many times i've i always put glenn close as my sally because i just think she oh really i think see i don't see that at all all right (laughs) i see uh, i love a a weaker uh more demure sally see i'd like to see her do that because she always plays like tough bitch and i know that she Mm. used to play soft and demure i would like to see her do that um, I also would love to see potentially Annette Benning play um, um, uh, the one who sings uh, Would I Leave You? God. Uh, Phyllis. Thank you, thank uh, you. I could see her as Phyllis. Phyllis. See, my Phyllis is Tony Collette <gasps> or Catherine Zeta Jones okay, because okay, both okay, of them okay. could also do Lucy Jesse, some right, dance. Right, 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 right. I guess I'm thinking older. I don't know. It's always tricky with that show because it's like, do we? Well, cast... they're supposed to be like 50, the the four, the main four is supposed to be like 50 to 60, like yeah. right in there somewhere. Like, well, like just enough life left yeah, 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 yeah. to just still <laughs> live it, but like not. Left. Yeah. Fair. That's just enough life left. Well, and also Hollywood is so stupid. I'm quick little tangent, but like they just did the Dear Evan Hansen movie, 
And I'm just kind of like, why did no one call Tony Collette to play the Rachel Bay Jones part? Like, uh, why they do not see her in movie musicals is beyond me. I uh, uh, people keep talking next about normal. Uh, Get her next normal. Or people keep talking about this uh, gypsy remake that Barbara wanted to do, and now she's yeah. sort of accepted that she won't play yeah, Rose and that it'll be someone else. And I think Tony Collette, like, why not? Oh. I would love to see her Rose. You know what I heard about that? I don't know if this is even true. But I had heard a rumor that someone was looking at casting um, Melissa McCarthy as as Mama Rose. I heard that too, and that um, I love her to me. death. But I'm like, huh, okay. Um, yeah, I heard that, and it was like right around the time she sang on Barbara's album, like they <laughs> yeah. did the at the ballet thing together, which was a, a spot on choice. Melissa McCarthy is exactly who I think of um, to sing with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to do another song with a woman. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I, I would rather we just let Liza do it at the age she's oh, at stop. now than let Melissa McCarthy do it. Stop. Um, <laughs> I love I've gone such a tangent about, you know, everything but, 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 but smash. Clip. Well, yeah. Um, so <laughs> going back well, to- with this clip, I, yes, I, yes, I something yes. I want to like go, go, being in New York audition yeah, rooms, my in. favorite thing is that there's just lines of men sitting there auditioning for DiMaggio right. as that, as they're having this conversation mm-hmm. of like, here's the people we're really considering. I'm like, that might be the most factual shot in this whole series, a line of like EPA, Joe DiMaggio's sitting out in a row. They're ready to go. While they're like, is you know, and McGregor available? <laughs> you know? Right. Or like, <laughs> let's get Will Swenson to do this again. You know, uh, like they're. I mean, I guess, you know, in a, in a way, I understand, like, if you've already worked with someone and you know exactly what they're going to probably bring to it. But of course, we get the first wink, wink, nudge, nudge of every time they mention Michael, Deborah Messing is like, hmm, oh, um, hmm, well, is he right for this? I, oh, I just, uh, I, mm. Yeah, um, I have been I have been Deborah Messing though, not in oh, the like really? I cheated, like I cheated, but like when you don't want people to know that you don't like someone oh. or something, and oh, you're like nice. trying to like no, I just like no, it's no, it, the, do we have to like invite everyone to dinner? I don't know. It's just um... <laughs> well, I've had people tell me people were cast in shows that I've been casting. Like, oh, guess who they also cast? So and so, I have to go. Oh, and they're like, uh, don't you like them? I'm like, mm, oh, oh, yep, yep, yep. I was just, um, I don't yep. really know them. That's usually, my I just answer. don't know them. <laughs> I just don't know them. Really? Because I thought you were really close. Oh, uh... interesting. Yeah, no, I don't. It's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, um, I love the Bruno Marsness of it all. I can't play more because of copyrights, but you know. <laughs> At least go a little deep. Um, it's truly a crazy number, and it also it also features that dancer that was in that big Frank Sinatra dance review show at the yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Twyla Tharp. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not come fly with me. Um, oh, is that, is that not it? Fly, 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 with fly, me. fly with me. Fly away with me. <laughs> Something like that. No, I, I can't remember. It's like come fly from my way. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> There's so many. Uh, fly fly someone's shows. flying somewhere um, and she yeah she was on it I, I was, yeah, and yeah. the choreography in that scene is oh, so lit there's like a moment where the boy dancers do like five pirouettes in a row before like dropping to their knees well, that's i don't broadway. know that's broadway i 
No, it's La Mama, bitch. <laughs> when they threw that word in there, and I'm not sure if this is true, but mm. I have seen a show in La Mama, and I was like, that that really looks like this. Like, I wonder if they're really using I think they the did. La Mama. Yeah, because uh, the way the audience is, I feel like I was high and it was like 20 years ago, but like, <laughs> it, it's what I remember La Mama feeling like. Well, um, our guest Tim Murray from the first episode, he was actually a a extra in the filming of that number, and he actually ah. gave behind the scenes tea. That I just found this hilarious. There was a a girl that was an extra in the in the crowd, and she was seated near Angelica Houston, and she happened to have a very similar hairstyle to Angelica Houston's, so they made her move. <laughs> and imagine Angelica Houston be like, move that girl she's like <laughs> shading this woman i wish they just kept her there and just and there just happened to be like a hair doppelganger just like in the same <laughs> section and just see who would have noticed like i i thought they would have been like camp camp to the highest degree and i love it um so after they go see this wild brunette mara show we will chase sounds amazing sounds, by the way will chase number. Ta- very talented man and a very sexy man we we stand him he's yeah yeah i'm a i'm a super stand i will say he's like sort of margined into mm-hmm. like this like he's a chris he's a he's a like angry brooding yeah. belting kind of guy i've never like seen him be super funny or anything but no. he's just so good at like being that guy yeah it's weird because the first thing i ever saw him in i did not respond to him and it was when he was in rent and he played roger for some mm-hmm. reason that mm-hmm. didn't actually that show was weird because i didn't care for him as roger and it had a very young renee lee goldsberry as as mm-hmm. um that's the the dvd right yeah yeah yeah. and i remember not liking her very much in that show either i mean like Ugh, i don't like that girl and then she showed up in hamilton i was like oh shit okay i think you're actually really talented mimi's also a weird sing like there are only so many girls that sound good i also think that i love that version of it mm-hmm. uh because the movie was so terrible oh, that i'm God, grateful that we got that. some <laughs> right um but I, I I liked Will. I thought that they weren't serviced, those two, by being like 35. <laughs> I, I feel like that was the thing that I took it issue It didn't help. With. It did not help. This. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also reach an Eileen cocktail toss because we do see her throw a cocktail into her you should be face. you should tally those up. Oh, through... I mean, this is the second one so far. I've definitely got this <laughs> going. It's like a little drinking. And drink. I think we get two in one scene if i remember correctly in this uh episode i know we get another one later in the episode maybe that's what yeah, it we was. Definitely, but i think there it's, is i think there is an episode later in the season where she does do it twice in the scene twice in one um which i felt it was yes. started becoming an easter egg for the audience like she's about to throw a cocktail you know what she's <laughs> about to do I can't even. Uh, um, oh, so then we get to this. This was truly where I went. Like this show's nuts, and I can. I love when shows are writing, like writing not for people that watch actual or that actually care about Broadway. It's like they're writing for like Middle America. That's gonna be like, oh yeah, because that girl said that thing. So we see Karen at her job talking to her coworker, and her coworker is at, first of all this coworker. She is a. She is a bitter bitch. She is always. <laughs> well, always in I mean, she's still working at uh, Cafe Orlin. Uh, yep. May she rest in bless, peace. Bless. Um, bless. Um, 
and Karen's about to go. Karen just moved there. I mean, just moved there. Well, I mean, that's a weird thing. This show, it's kind of ambiguous with like, how long has Karen been here? Because she has like a full established relationship with her boyfriend and she definitely seems like settled, but she also seems like this is like her first big audition. And maybe it's just that it's the first audition she had any traction on because that's relatable. Um, right. But it's, yeah, right, it is right, weird right. to be like, how long have you been here? Like she's such a Pollyanna. Yeah, they the way they sell it in my brain, it's always been like a like been here for like one or two years. Right. But then her coworker says a line that I even wrote down because I did not want to forget it. So they're talking about how she's in the ensemble of the show, and her coworker says, Remember, it's the ensemble, not the chorus. Though if you ask me, that's like calling garbage man sanitation workers. And I was like, Okay, okay, bitch. Who are you? What have you done, Miss Lady? <laughs> right. <laughs> What's your tale? Someone is very upset about this. Someone has a lot of I mean, <laughs> I mean, it looks like an early brunch shift too. So maybe she doesn't have coffee. Like maybe there's a backstory. And Karen is a bad coworker, as we have found out. Like it was the episode where she's like standing there catatonic Daydreaming. holding the coffee. She's like, <laughs> Karen. And she's like, oh, what's like, never mind. I already got their drinks. I'm like, well, Karen's that bitch. That's who Karen I mean, is. it's because she's such a talented star. Well, she, you know she, what she I mean? She can't like, not think about singing. Like she can't, I mean, she yeah. works a waitress. Like, like she's a terrible herself. waitress because she's too talented, period. Yeah, you can't ask and, her to pour coffee and have that much star power. Like it's just, uh, she'll come back. And like, she's got a daydream about being a star or she won't be one. Like, or she sings, call me. <laughs> right. Not this episode, but I did find yeah. out like, this is your fantasy. Like this is it. Right. <laughs> oh man. So then we also find out that Karen is going to her hometown of Iowa, which by the way, as far as details for Karen, that's like a spot on detail. Like she's from Iowa. I was like fully. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. That makes oh, sense. fully. I actually we we said this also. I wish they had just made Karen a non-musical theater gal that like was like an aspiring singer that went to this audition and happened to get like called back because that's the thing with the show i don't believe for a goddamn second that karen cartwright spent any time in a musical theater program because she's so like green about so much where even like girls that go to programs like you know yeah in like middle america they would at least be taught about well, all these terms mean well, all these processes. Totally. Are. Or like this whole idea that she doesn't know how to exist in an ensemble. I'm like, you're trying to tell what was she starring in all of her high school musicals? And even if she did, she didn't do a choir performance. Or there's yeah. so many like little details about her that are again, I think writing for that middle of America. Mm -hmm. You know, they're writing for a girl who's in Iowa who has no training. That's like, oh my God, I would love to move to New York. And and like accidentally end up in a Broadway show like that is what their aim is but sure. you're right like <clears throat> it would have at least given her this interesting arc if it was like she was a singer songwriter right. practicing a song and like at the studio for something totally different and they were like you're next and she was like what I don't even like know how to I guess I'll sing this song I was playing on my guitar or, or like, even just like yeah like in the show it's just that she happens to stumble upon the video of the demo she could have just been like oh well oh I've been in some high school plays I like this song I want to go audition for this thing like it was just weird it was strange 
but she is going out of town to go to a baby shower that seems very fitting and we... um also her house i just like need to clock that like they put her at the exact right like white upper middle class demographic for the kind of person that moves to new york and yeah. accidentally ends up oh, in a broadway show so like so <laughs> i was like as someone who did not grow up with any of that mm-hmm. i was like oh my god that is so spot on. Like, of course, they probably pay for that one bedroom apartment that she lives in. The whole that's why she's got Laducas. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Uh, and then later we see Tom and Julia discuss the show, in particular casting Michael Swift as DiMaggio, to which Julia seems less than thrilled about. We also then meet Michael Swift himself and his wife and their little toddler. He seems reluctant to take the show while his wife encourages him to take the show, which I, this whole thing seemed crazy because he's- <laughs> Leave me with this toddler to make no money. Yeah, she's like, honey, I th-, she says later, I just think your son would be so proud to watch his dad play Joe DiMaggio. I'm like, yes, you're not even speaking (laughs) toddler would (laughs) love to see his dad in a Marilyn Monroe musical where he plays Joe DiMaggio. Like, what are you talking about? Do you not want support from your husband? Because they're clearly, oh, you're getting paid like pennies pennies right also this actress i like tip my hat to her because she really tried to like make a meal out of like this little uh my partner is convinced it should have been julia murney every time you watch it (laughs) every time we watch it he's like this should have been julia oh i mean i i've been re-watching sex in the city recently and it was the episode where she's trying to go home with the hot guy at the restaurant i was like what a great little actress she is oh Always. Always. The best. Always. Oh, man. We then catch up with Eileen meeting with two potential financiers who are weary of signing on to the Maryland musical. I'm so tired of revivals, aren't you? What are the specs? Well, it's not going to be cheap, but given that we're taking on Marilyn Monroe, you wouldn't expect it to be. And what's Jerry's involvement now that the two of you are split up? Jerry has no involvement. Really? You think that you can raise all this money yourself? I'm producing it myself. Which you've never done before, and all your assets are in escrow. <laughs> it's only a workshop. All I need is 200000 Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Angelica Houston dealing with her goddamn ex-husband, or not even ex-husband, still, like, active husband, but a piece of shit. Yeah, I actually feel like his character might be one of the most truthfully written characters in this whole thing. Like his gross antics and like dirty money. Oh, dirty money. And like he only supports her when he finds out a way to profit from it. Like it it all checks out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this all makes sense. Absolutely. Um, Even the conversation those men have of like, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like we've never invested in just you so no it's like i i have been a part of many a process where it's mm-hmm. like man you if you don't have the right person seeking out your money yeah. it it does not happen oh yeah it's crazy like i just it's so funny that her, so much of her early arc on this show is just like well wait is jerry not gonna do this with you because they also established that she worked on past shows with him so it just shows like clear misogyny of like oh well are you sure that you were doing a lot or was that all jerry was he not the right. one doing all the work i'm like 
We're used to talking to a man, so. Like, I'm sorry, my apologies. I'd rather deal with this Cleopatra haircut from Angelica Houston. <laughs> this haircut. And I've like looked at pictures of Angelica Houston and it's like a version of the haircut that she always has, but right. they decided to make it like 20 times more hair. Oh yeah. Like so that it would absolutely resemble Edna from the Incredibles. Like absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. It's funny. I think I might have mentioned this to you before, but whenever I watch the show, and not that I don't want to get rid of Angelica Houston, but I have thought before, like, ooh, what would Patty Lapone have been like as Eileen? I can just like see oh, it in my head. Iconic. And also like uh something that I love is that Brian DRC, we talked about this a little oh, yeah. bit. Brian DRC James doesn't sing really other than like a little lick and he's like one of the best voices in musical theater in out musical there theater. like i i would love if they did way more of that like patty lapone is the producer eileen never sings a number we julia Murney is the wife never sings ever. Right. we have daphne rubin vega already like let's get more <laughs> musical theater actors in there not not showing anything special while we have Catherine mcphee out there and we're all just going to pretend that she's to pretend perfect. like she should be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it would have been cool to have a broadway legend as Eileen and just well, get, let us not forget they do give Miss Angelica Houston a number in the show. <laughs> it comes later this season, but she does. Oh, get... I'm trying to remember. Oh, she... I like just made my way through this whole series like oh, not more sings... than two months ago. Oh, what does she sing? It's an old song. It's like a like an old standard. I cannot remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. In front of uh, the the man with the bar. Yes. Oh my. And it's like, so like, she just walks up to the guy at the piano like, so, can you play anything? And then like, <laughs> it's so weird. It's so bizarre. And I was like, who asked for this? Was this an Angelica Houston request? Or was this the <laughs> right. team wanting to get her to sing? Like, I couldn't tell whose idea it was. But it, well, it's and- really crazy. Uh, this episode actually I think is the beginning of the break of the structure from like musical numbers being fantasies or like actual production numbers Mm. into like we're singing in real time but songs that have nothing to do with this like uh, we'll get to the baby shower but like uh, I think it was just them trying to like well if we're going to do it that means Angelica Houston's got to do everyone everyone here has to have a song in real time. I'm sure the downloads for her number were just you know off the charts. So high. I mean, obviously, vocalist Angelica Houston's really how she's known. (laughs) Actually, you know, in an alternate universe, I have really weird women that I think would be great as Joanne in company. And actually, I have she would like kill it. She would kill it. Like, I mean, the only reason I disagree about Patty is because I uh, fucking love Angelica Houston. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. waiting for her to take her head off and be a witch. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I, she's iconic in this. Oh man. Oh, you know who else is also like a honorable mention? Joanne. I'm like, oh, I just want to see what that would be. I would love to see Sigourney Weaver play Joanne. Oh, one thousand. She has a little pocket singing voice. It's not like you know the most incredible, but it's it's I mean, it's, <laughs> the the Joannes of the history of Joannes. She definitely could fit into the history of Joannes. Absolutely, I served her at a restaurant once, and she was so beyond lovely. Oh, well, I'm so happy to hear that because she's one of my favorite people. Oh man! So later, oh, we get into everyone's least favorite character, Alice, talking to his roommates. <laughs> I'm sure in Brooklyn, and they remark that he should get paid for quote coming up with the idea for the musical, which that's how things work. 
Right. To which we immediately cut to Ellis sneaking off of Julia's notebook the next day at Tom's apartment. We later see Ellis discuss it with his roommate where dun 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 they get um under the sheets nasty with each other and again very confusing I thought he was gay right also um can we acknowledge that it's condola rashad like can we just have a moment for the fact that like one of the most brilliant actresses in the world uh and her very brilliant actress daughter (laughs) is ellis's like girlfriend roommate i was like she's given nothing to do (laughs) right like again another example and yet kat mcphee has all this text um But um, it's always going to come back to that for me now. Um, But uh, this whole, the moment this happened, I feel like I threw my computer the first time (laughs) I saw it. I was like, what? This now has way more plot holes than I can handle. He's straight? I I was like, so why? Like, that's such a weird... Because then, like, I think later in, in like, later, later, in season two she we run into her for like two seconds it's like you know he turned out to be gay and we're like yeah honey like we got it yeah also like he does fuck a boy yeah. later in this season Which, like, maybe he's pan maybe he's bi i don't know um who's to yeah say? we shouldn't be into labels sure, sure, sure. but, but it like... definitely uh, yeah at the time i was v confused v confused well it, it felt like a a betrayal of what they had set up right at and they, without context or pre, they just asked us as an audience to just accept yeah. this suddenly without addressing it at all. Well, at the time, I thought that whole thing, him sleeping with her, was going to be a thing because it, in the moment, it didn't seem like something he actively wanted to do. It felt like it was something he was performing. It felt like performative sexuality. <laughs> right. And now is that actor Ellis? We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So back on the Cartwright farm in Iowa, Karen discusses losing the part on Broadway to Ivy. Um, but she tells her dad it's an exciting opportunity and she's excited to be a part of it. But she's looking forward to a couple of days without thinking about Broadway. We then go back to the rehearsal space where we see Julia and Michael finally come face to face. And it's clear there is some history between the two. Later... Eileen runs into her ex-husband again. He warns that she can't produce the show without him and his connections and cut to another drink to the face. We have our second Eileen drink toss in one episode and you love to see it. You love to see it twice. Absolutely. Now at least that was consistent. Consistent, yes. We then cut to a talk about a plot line they just like cut from the show. It's a date between Tom and Josh, who's one of the dancers in the show, who I thought was so fucking hot. And I was like, oh, I cannot wait to get more of this guy. And then he is oh, just yeah. snip, snip from Wes Taylor. Well, uh, yeah, just shows up. They're like, okay. It, like, yeah, I, I, when I was re watching this episode to do the podcast, I was like, I just watch this who is this person like i don't remember this scene at all but he's like kind of a big part of the episode for the first few for sure absolutely yeah i feel like what happened is that i think they wanted him to be more like what wesley taylor ended up bringing to his role and then he's just not that type of actor or just the energy is just more like I'm a nice, I'm a nice gay dancer. And it's like, that's lovely, but it's not the most exciting thing in the world. Yeah, we we want everyone to be awful. <laughs> exactly. This, besides Karen Cartwright. Yeah, and so when Wesley Taylor comes in, his star turn in the next episode, it's just kind of, I think he was, unfortunately, <laughs> he's in the rest of the season, but then like, 
he's he doesn't speak much or at all for the rest of the season but can you imagine like being you're like oh man my big break i'm gonna be like the the potential for my character they're putting me on a date with the with with one of the leads yes like this is this is gonna be huge and then having to be like i didn't yeah i'm gonna still be i'll be dancing in the background and then being like i could have i could have done that if you told me to do what he's doing i could have done that right yeah unfortunately but wesley taylor what a star i mean he's oh always i i have never seen him in a show not giving 175 percent like regardless of from spongebob to Mm -hmm. alice by heart to fucking rock of ages ages. like he's yeah he is like a quintessential performer. He gets off on performing. It's like yes, yeah. correct. That is the best way to put it. Yeah. So we see Josh and Tom on a date. The only problem is Tom didn't know it was a date. Josh says he was <laughs> nervous about asking Tom out, but figures since Ivy is sleeping with Derek, that it doesn't really matter that much. To which Tom is furious and talks to Julia about the situation at his apartment. The two bump heads over the issue, and Julia runs into her new best friend, assistant Alice, and they get into it. Come on, Tom. Oh, Ellis. I didn't know that you were here. I was just straightening up. He sounds really upset. Yes, he is. Excuse me. Can I just... I'm sorry. What is it? I just feel like maybe she gave him a little space right now. Well, I think that I don't need Tom's assistant explaining to me how to handle him. You know what? I'm going to get you a cup of tea. No, I don't need you to make me a cup of tea. What I really need, actually, you know what I need? Is for you to go. Can you go? Tom is upset. And he and I have a few things that we need to work out. And we're going to need privacy to do it. But I don't work for you. I work for Tom. You can't actually just order me to leave his apartment because I don't work for you. Mm-hmm. That's Listen, You should be careful about what you say next. You have a real problem with your temper. You know that? <laughs> I fired you once. I can do it again. <laughs> you can sure try. And then we'll see if it sticks because it kind of didn't the last time, did it? I'm really glad we cleared the air. Oh, and you know what? I found your notebook. It was underneath Tom's mail. I looked all over for it and I knew you were really worried about it, so. Thanks. You're welcome. He's uh, gay. I'm sorry. That's sass. That's sass. Like, get out of here. Right. Like, stop it. And this is one of those scenes that I have like a torn reaction yeah. about. Number one, because it's awful and we hate him <laughs> right. and like uh, he's terrible. However, I have also worked as a personal yeah. assistant to somebody and like I have basically had to have this conversation of like, hi, I'm so sorry. Like, I understand that you also need things, I but like also <laughs> I have a list of things from the person that's, that's giving me paychecks. To, every, like, you know, yeah. To go get done. So like, I don't have time to, it, if you would like me to do that, would you at least run it through the person that's Could paying me to make to sure like that they're being. okay? <laughs> right. So like, there's a part of me that totally like is like yeah bitch get her ellis but then like we hate him he's awful he stole her notebook yeah well, like, that's the thing. he's a terrible person he stole her fucking notebooks i'm like i would give you a slight like snap snap like read her queen but i'm also like no but you are you are a sneaky sneakster and you are doing weird shit like she's totally right in her instincts about you like you 
Right, right. Well, and like he put things on the internet already. Like he's already betrayed the trust. Like if I were her in that moment, I'd be like, I understand, but like we can't trust yeah. you. And we're going to be talking through a door about things that I don't want people to know about. So why don't you yeah. leave? Like, please go. I love her line though. Like, I fired you once and I could do it again. And I'm like, again, I don't work for you, bitch. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> This is an example of some of the uh, least inventive writing (laughs) on this show. It's like, sometimes it's just the quickest point A to point B and not necessarily logic. She does also say about, about, you know, one of her closest friend on this earth that she needs to go handle him, like quote, handle him. And I went, (laughs) right. Um, though I have also had friends like that, so it's not the most like unrealistic thing ever. I'm I mean, like, yeah, that's, a, that's a person, right? I, I mean, I think there are times where I need to be handled. <laughs> I, need, oh, and it's usually when I'm alone at night. Um, um, also, before we go yeah, yeah, too yeah. far, the conversation that she has with Tom right yes, before yes. this, another problematic conversation where she's like victim blaming Ivy. Yeah, like like maybe she's using him. And like, I think they tried to like write it with this like feminist edge, but yeah, ooh, like, she has so no, bad. She knows what she's doing. Like, don't treat her like a baby. Right. Like, oh no, no one's treating her like a baby, but like we're still in the middle of casting this damn show and now he's sleeping with one of them. Like that's like the height of inappropriate. Like, yeah. And like, also we should strive for that. not yeah. to have. Like, I know that they wrote the whole scene in order to like set up sure. her guilt and all her explaining sure, her sure, guilt. Sure. But the, the, the way it is done is so unnuanced again, like the easiest uh, from point A to point B <laughs> They wrote well, in case anyone that watched this episode didn't pick up on it, there might be a history of her maybe having an affair with Michael. I don't know. Maybe possibly. Something <gasps> going on with those Who two. Knows? It could be that. It could not be that. Um, yeah. So it is like, I can tell the writing was meant to be her, like, you know, having her own shit in her brain that she's connecting this to. But it definitely, to just listen to it, you go, ooh, yikes. Like, you are kind of... Um, doing some toxic some toxic comments in this about Miss Ivy and yeah just the first part of the season it's so weird to know like who are we supposed to not like but that is also another question right I mean Karen that's the only character they wrote that doesn't have like this terrible like she's complicit in some awful things that happen but like she never is the one it's never her awfulness we'll see I do have something from every episode called the Karen moment of the week which will be a moment where she made me eye roll so there are at least some eye roll moments but she is at least you know all every time she almost opens her mouth um, but yeah, like she is one of the least controversial in terms, which actually kind of annoys me because they they set her up yes. as like morally, you know, above the rest. Always doing, um, yeah, always doing the right thing. I would never want to take this part from Ivy. Like, guys, what? Like, oh, in the next one, they're like, "You're stealing Ugh. focus," and she's like, "What? I'm just performing." And I'm like, "Oh God, get over yourself." I'm just so uber talented it's so hard i just like don't know how to pull it back oh man so then we see god we see karen with her oh this also really accurate writing whoever wrote this scene 
knows these girls. They're girls I know. They're girls we all know. We meet Karen's basic hometown friends. Who, wow. One thing that says, ooh, hey, Broadway. I was like, okay, this is these are people. These are real people. Um, <laughs> like this, Them going to this shitty bar is like the excitement of their week. Like they've been looking forward to this all week. For her baby For her shower, baby nonetheless. Shower, which, let's, let, <laughs> it be, let it be said, far. a very poorly attended baby shower. It's like four of them. I, okay, I have a big yeah. question. I don't want to jump oh, too far go. ahead. But she goes all the way to mm-hmm. Iowa to go to this baby yeah. shower. But then these same four yeah. friends drive her back to New York. I thought they were driving so, like, to the airport. Why? Is that what it is? Airport. Okay, yeah, yeah, I... Yeah. Okay, I was confused about that. I must have like looked down or something. I was like, why are they taking, why did she go all the way to Iowa if they're all going to go back to New York? Anyway? No, I, I mean, I would love to see that alternate version where it's just like road trip and just like the road trip <laughs> no one wants to watch. Like, <laughs> that is something. Um, also have to acknowledge that Lori from the Oklahoma Revival is oh. one of her close friends. Which one? I can't remember the actress's name. Um, the not white one. Wait. I don't remember. I can't remember her name, but she played oh, Lori. Lori. In the oh, my God. Oh, wow. Okay. Oklahoma so, Revival. I don't want to say I'm so old, but like when you said Oklahoma Revival, I for some reason went to like the Hugh Jackman. Josie yeah, and I was like, oh my yeah, God, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, who was she? Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, did not know that. Wow, wonderful trivia. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. That's the kind of nerd. I mean, I, I love, am. we love to see it. I mean, there are lots of Broadway people I go, haha, look who it is, but there are the ones I'm like, uh, like, when Philippa Sue shows up in season two, I'm like, oh, honey, look at you. Before things are going <laughs> great. Um, get, literally given nothing to do. But we do see, as you said earlier, one of our first, I'm going to call them glee moments, where it's like, let's get a song in the scene. You know, like, you know, Broadway schmodway. Let's like, just get her to sing on stage. And I honestly... I think they started it in this season, A, because of course they wanted to like raise their iTunes like money. But I also think because this uh, episode is so much exposition for the wheel turn of where all of this is about to go. Um, that I think 100%, like uh, I listened to your first episode so that I could get the feel. And I was like, how am I going to rate who Marilyn is on this episode? Like you're not given, there's no musicality in here. There's two songs, three songs. If you count, will chase us. I think we do because it was doing some heavy lifting for that part of the episode. Right. But like, uh, I truly feel like they only added this because they were like, we only have two songs. You know what? Her friends will force her into a karaoke moment. That's that's. Well, how we also we'll get to see it. one of my least favorite things in the world, which is an actor pretend having to act. Oh no, I don't want to sing. Like it's like so like <laughs> oh god, just like you're good. and like you know, the thing like she's trying to act like oh this song again, and just like it's just it's, I hate right. I, I don't know why it every time it's in anything. Don't make me <sighs> sing. Stop it! You're like um, you're literally like come on. I get the ideas like I already she also, my job, but like, and also, why is this the song? Like, of all the songs in the world, we're singing "Redneck right. Woman" um, by Carrie Underwood. Um, sh- uh, you're asking the wrong homosexual here. Um, also, she does my least favorite thing, um, 
which is something that is only for white women is kicking her shoes off at a bar. Like she kicks them off on that stage and sings barefoot, which as someone who has worked in many a bar, that floor is wet. That floor is disgusting and wet. Why are you doing this? She's just living life. And you know, if you don't get it, then you don't get it. You know what I mean? Well, I think she also just so becomes well, yeah. whatever part she is she's a redneck, being. and redneck and women so... are barefoot a lot. So she is, she is a right, woman. exactly, right, she's right. She's not right, some high right. class she's broad. Just like no, she's kicking her shoes off like a normal person. And so, bar. also, they bring this up in the other scene, but I just find this truly psychotic. Her father later reveals that he was at the bar and listened to her sing but just never came up and said hello. And also, this bar is not that big. She absolutely would have seen her dad at the bar. Also, why was why was Creepy. her dad just like, he's like, I wanted to hear you sing. Like, it's just like, like what right. are you talking about? Like, if you really, also, it's, just, it's truly bizarre, truly bizarre. Um. Also, something that has always struck me about mm-hmm. this episode is, did she fly that giant bear to Indiana? Yeah, that's like, a good did question. She... I feel like maybe she bought it while in town, <laughs> and then and like, what the fuck gift oh, is that? Well, what are you doing? Did this girl not have a registry? First of all, spoiler like... alert: that is the Karen moment of the week. Is when she reveals the gift. We'll be getting. We'll be getting to that. <laughs> in a Do not think I skipped over that damn bear, because um, that was the one where I was like, Karen it might be an idiot. She might be a class A. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's something my partner and I literally laugh about when we uh, when that episode comes on because it's like, what the fuck? Who who has are you like? Does she have a nursery? Like, what are you? What are you? That's a sick. A um, person could wear. It's that. just like being like, oh, it's not for the baby. It's for you. And I'm like, what? Right. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> an idiot. You're stupid, Karen. You're stupid. Um, you know, <laughs> well, we later cut to Ivy finally asking Derek why they don't go to his place ever again. A realistic plot point, if you ask me. I think he should have been like, Because I don't want you in my apartment, but we do learn it's not her, it's his gas. <laughs> and thank God, thank God we learned because I was wondering, wondering, like, what's going on with his apartment? Because I, I spent the whole episode, like, <laughs> like I was like. Yeah, honey, you're always fucking at your place because he doesn't want to invite you to his place. Because his doorman's going to be like, which girl yeah, is like, this? Are you Sally or are you Christine? What? Oh, I mean, never right. mind. <laughs> up. Yeah, I was like, come on. I don't, I don't need that. Oh, man. We do later see Julia and Tom make up and she reveals the worst kept secret of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell you something. No, it's okay. I know I'm uptight about Derek and I need to relax. No. Well, yes, that's true. But I've got to tell you something else. It's just the history with him is so terrible. And I just, I love Ivy so much. I had an affair with Michael Swift. <gasps> what? Five years ago. When we were working on Ready Money, I, we, had a really, and it lasted for a while. And it was really... It was really what? <laughs> and I didn't tell you. And I didn't tell anyone. It's on the eyes. Frank doesn't know? No one knows. It never should have happened. How did it happen? Michael was just... It was so 
good in our show, and you know what a huge turn on that is. I had to fuck him. Had to fuck him. Great. Had to. Yes. I needed that in me. A show crush. But then I was down at City Hall, and I was going to walk home over the Brooklyn Bridge. And we bumped into each other. Oh, and then wow. we get this, just to fill the silence, this long visual cue of just them sensually walking across the Brooklyn Bridge. And all oh, their their pinkies are interlocked. Oh my goodness. Are they going to kiss? Are they going to do it? They're also on the bike side, which is really upsetting. It does look very uh, gorgeous in the scene, though. The hair in the top are working for me. She's so beautiful. Yeah, I actually she's like her on the show. Woman. I think she actually somehow navigates this material like fairly well. I mean, she the way she said you can mix uh, and then bring it to a belt in that first episode, <laughs> like <laughs> I believe her. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> Sweet. <sighs> it's over. It's been over for a while. What I is just it? Need to help me not go back there. Mm-hmm. And no one else can know. But Ellis dun, is dun, right dun, outside dun. the door. Yes, we see Ellis outside the door being his usual awful self. Oh no, what will happen? Tune in next week to Smash. Now, the episode ends with Karen traveling back to Broadway from Iowa, and we see a new number from Marilyn the Musical called Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is our only Marilyn moment of the episode do you want to give any points out for this episode i mean the only point can go to (laughs) ivy in this episode she's the only one that yeah i mean because she kills it um this it see it's the one song i would cut from this whole if i were if i were to direct this this and i'll hang the moon gone like why are we (laughs) I, I didn't know the lyrics to that song for a long time. And I so I used to wander. I used to wander around the house just doing, look at the moon. It is a moon. Um, that's, a because, that's honestly about, uh, that's about right? <laughs> my computer just asked me if I'm playing music. Um, I'm always no, playing but I'm music, but I'm it. singing. I'm, I'm, I'm making beautiful music. Um, oh, man. But this song, first of all, like, what a huge set for a dumb oh, fucking song. You so also, much. your house is empty. Your house is empty. But it just looks like a, a regional theater production of Our Town or something. I'm like, what is this? It, no, it's All My Sons. That's the, it's a production of All My Sons um, because it is the drabbest set. Mm. Mm. Um, I this whole number and like when we get to the preview portion and you like yeah. see it again, I, I like I there's just no world where this song would stay no. in the show. No world. It's the worst song in there the is whole one score. version of this song that I do love though, and it is when Uma Thurman sings it in her episode. And it becomes Mister <laughs> and Mrs. Smith. Simply the folks next door. <laughs> just like, I mean, it's. I mean, I will say she doesn't come in for a while, but Uma Thurman, I do think, gives a pitch perfect performance. It is every. It is uh, my favorite. I won't say her name. Like the whole thing is just so perfect. It is my. Like I don't think she gets enough. Maybe credit. favorite. I don't think she gets enough credit for the detail work. No, and like 
And also to be able to come in and know that you're going to use your real yes. singing gift, the one that you did in a movie, in a which isn't much, and that they're going to portray it as yeah. terrible and to take that on and to like wear it and like use it and do, I like give her so much props. Yeah. If someone looked at me and was like, hey, we're going to take a skill you that like have. you got paid <laughs> Yeah, that you got paid to pretend you do well, but we're going to feature it for what it actually is and like name it. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I, I know she's playing that, it up. She's a got no bit, ego. No, definitely not much. Oh, it's so that whole character is so yeah, iconic. Uh, yeah, again, I don't want to kill the fun, but that my one of I think my favorite episode of the season is the preview episode where we just get to see Uma Thurman as Marilyn. So I'm like, I could watch an entire full-length production of this right now. And like, I've been in New York long enough to watch lots of stars go into Chicago. And uh, like, literally, <laughs> it's pitch perfect. The way she does it, the way she like speaks, sings they through did it, it's, I, it's so right. So... <laughs> So, so, so. Oh, man. I, yeah, I, again, I just, I, I also am just a big Uma Thurman fan. So I'm like, God, God bless. God bless. And I, again, it takes such a <laughs> solid ego to come in and basically make fun of you. Make fun of your damn self. Oh, man. So yeah. we have reached the Karen moment of the week, which finds Karen giving a less than perfect um, present at a baby shower. actually really for me you're having a baby it's a big commitment you're gonna need a friend so you hug him and call me oh you know nothing about having babies and you're gonna be totally useless (laughs) (laughs) best line of the episode from her friend you know nothing about babies and you're gonna be totally useless is karen an idiot is she just stupid is karen just stupid i think so you're gonna Um, need a friend like she's having a baby a, another human literally and creating another human like, <laughs> the bear is the size of the actress that's like playing I would say part. larger like, than the actress why are you yeah why would you give a mom a, another human like a when whole human size well like a psychopath thing. the mom even goes Oh, cute. The baby will love it. I guess I, okay, it's obviously for the baby when it's old enough to play with this thing. She's like, no, no, no. It's for you. What are you, what are you talking about, Karen? <laughs> what the fuck? I just want uh, a clip from her winning it at the uh-huh. fair earlier that day. <laughs> and so she hadn't, like, prepared yeah. a gift. Also, how the she gift is wrapped. CBS. I love, <laughs> right. Um, but how this gift is wrapped, how it just like opens. I love prop people. (laughs) Like, yeah, Karen figured that out. So a box of pulling two. Oh, wait, maybe she does carry the box in. I'm like, how'd the box even get there? I don't see her, but I think she does. Oh, no, she she carries that big old box. And by the way, we have a box that big. And you're like, no, no, not presents yet. I'm like, open that box. Like, come on. Right. Also, did that fit in the car? That didn't fit in the car. I was going to fit in the Uber, but this is before Uber before uber was a thing 100 oh man what was it like maybe her dad dropped her off at the bar but then didn't leave creepily waited outside like a fucking freak her parents played by real life couple spy 
Yes, is yes. that true? They're a real life couple. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. I know oh, that's I sweet. No so cute. Like it'll cast as a pair. I love that. I wish I could get that kind of perk, like cast with my partner. That'd be I so nice. I did do nice. a play in quarantine where it was like just me and my two friends that were in the same social pod. And they're like, good, you can do the play together. And we were like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. That would be so nice. It was such a weird experience because we were doing the play for, it was like streamed. So there's no audience. It's just us doing it for a camera. And it was the weird, everyone's like, oh, it's so exciting to be back on stage. I'm like, it was the perfect COVID version of doing a play because it was like, right. A, a, it was like a one act play and it was not long. Like once we like got it on its feet, we realized like this play is less than 30 minutes. Like who's going to watch this? Like it was so short. Right. And again, there's no one there. So we don't know how anything's playing because there's no reaction. And it was just bizarre. <laughs> right. It was just really bizarre. I, I, I can't even. Oh man. Well, so that's the end of the episode. What, you know, what what are the main takeaways from this? I guess it's like, you know, Eileen can't get the money. Karen, Karen's right. stupid. Karen's stupid, but somehow amazingly perfect. Ivy, Ivy's just starting to like unfurl her awfulness. Yeah. Like it hasn't quite <laughs> begun to unravel. Yeah, the most we've seen yet. is her commenting um, on her scarf from the previous one. I'm just like, oh, it's so cute. Yeah. Um, oh, we didn't even comment on the fact that uh, they go to heaven on earth. Oh, oh uh, for just a second. That which show is show, a Rubik's I cube. Just, I'm like, what, what is this? What? What is this? <laughs> What's it about? Show? Every time they show a new um, part of it, I'm like, what? is this what is happening we yeah, get that a um, number with um what's this? a norbert leo bots norbert leo bots uh, um but anyway i digress, <laughs> That's my life. Um, I digress. takeaways from this episode um i you know this episode is the transitory episode it's one of the it worst really is them yeah and well i'm and sorry to have you on uh, for such a uh, uh i mean there's some oh, exciting no, moments I, uh, but it's, yeah it is very well, it's an episode where they start to set up where this is going. Like the they they clearly were working from the pilot and like cleaning yeah, yeah. that up in episode the two. And great. like those two were kind of up. Yeah. And it's they're kind of both of those are a perfect mm-hmm. package. And season three, so I think they pitched one and two. Those looked really great. And so three is like, okay, now we've got to figure out how to like yeah. make plot lines that will be consistent throughout. And so they have to spit them all yeah. out in this episode. Um, and so like it, it, it is a, the beginning of what I believe is the demise of many of the plot lines and characters that lead to Smash not being as successful as I think it could have been. It was not successful. Did I watch every episode? Yes, I did. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's absolutely. So, I, this show, I, I never know how to describe it, but I love watching it, even though it's very painful to get through but for some reason I can't look away because it's it's bad in such a specific way because I don't think it's even necessarily the performances that make it bad. Because I think all the performances make sense for the moment they're occurring in. It's only when you look back on it, you go, wait, what? Like there's so many loopholes. This right. show is made of loopholes. Well, and I also think that it, took us you know glee was the first of this like Mm. fantasy it's so much more about episode by episode than it is about the long arc um and so i think we weren't weren't ready when we um, and so like uh like i said i wanted it to be er and when it turned out to be more glee i was angry and so like 
I feel like but even that it's not quite you know, now because Glee, Glee the reason I even stuck with Glee as long as I did because it had like an almost absurdist like it's not quite reality reality to it so I was like oh okay totally. whereas this is like going no no this is very serious and this is very Broadway <laughs> right. this is Broadway you are right. seeing a keyhole they never Broadway. they never reconcile uh the fact that it came from a Showtime yeah series like they try to keep the energy of a showtime mm-hmm. series with the writers of a glee yeah. type show well, oh yeah um that's a whole other thing but i will say i feel like why i keep why i keep finding myself at it is the musical numbers are oh when they're incredible. great they're great like not mr and mrs smith and but, like, also, but even the no Bruno Mars no thing, this, this really fun to watch yeah uh, um and i it does, especially in this corner. I had not returned to Smash since its initial watching until oh, this wow, quarantine. And um, oh, I, yeah, I don't know if that's better. Well, I've, I've rewatched um, this but routinely I will... at least every couple of years. It's like, it just happens. Well, and now I can really give in to the fantasy and the drama. And like, you know, it's more uncomfortable because of the conversations that we've had since the show aired um but now that i can give in to like the bad loopholes and like accept it for what it is it does give you the like peggy sawyer star to be two bucks two bags one me sort of sort of fantasy that i think we all like secretly kind of wish would happen for us so like there is this weird like uh relationship mm-hmm. that you have with identifying with the sure, want sure. it's it's a bizarre sort of thing because it is also and i also think terrible. there is some hate watch um aspect to it also because any theater person Absolutely. that watches a show you just roll your eyes at every time they try to like set up a scenario that makes karen better than ivy or vice versa like oh <laughs> i like okay like for instance and I don't know why I keep jumping all over the place to stuff that isn't the episode, but that's the way my brain works. But when I think it's the next episode, even I believe when Ivy is going through let's be bad. I think it's let's be bad. And he's like, you're not doing the Marilyn voice. And then he has Karen do it. And I'm like, no, she did this in the baseball number. Like, you've heard her do this. Uh, like, she has done this. Right. Like she, and they try to make it look like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. It's like, no, you can. You've done no, it. She are and I didn't forget it. that you did it, bitch. So you're trying to trick us into being like, oh. Or even in the original uh episode when she just said i was written to play that it's still it's she was totally literally, doing it. literally doing um, it because we're supposed to believe in the first episode oh wow she's perfect that's the thing i just i get it's catholic McPhee. it was supposed to be a whole moment like we're gonna make her an actress star but like could they not have cast a karen that was at least like even just like a smidge closer to being in any way appropriate. I know, I know she sounds great on some of the songs and like she has moments, but in reality, if I was, this is why I will forever be team Ivy Lynn, is if I was Ivy Lynn and I had been working on Broadway for probably close to a decade, let's be honest, in the ensemble, and this is her first big chance at a lead in a Broadway show, and she finds out her biggest competition for this role is this lanky, six foot tall brunette from iowa who doesn't know how to pick up basic choreography let's just be honest 
I would be pissed, <laughs> right. and I would probably not be that nice to her. <laughs> like, like, I wouldn't be this mean. I wouldn't be totally. this mean. But I would probably be like slipping in some subtle shade for sure. I've always been curious about the casting of Kat McPhee. Like, why her? And especially um, something that I have come to realize is we have a lot of Galindas on television. <laughs> um, like, there's one in the other two. Oh, yes. There's one in um, uh, 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 Search Party. Uh, was she? There was another no, the get out. Normal. The lead? Like, well, not the lead, but the... the... I Yeah, wow. I believe well, that so. That makes sense. I mean, I um, and that. so... It, and so it's sort of like, uh, why why are we willing to put these people in shows that aren't like yeah. musical shows and make them stars? But in a musical show, we're going to put somebody who literally. I cannot. think after Kath McPhee lost American Idol, let it be noted, she lost American Idol. Um, I do think there was a a feeling that oh, she's gonna be like really big. We should somebody. Yeah. I mean, right. they even, I, I this also infuriated me. They give her an introducing credit, but did not give it to Megan Hilty, who's also being Megan introduced Hilty. to us. Like it's like, why not right. say an introduce? Like why not say an introducing both of them? Like why not? It's just, ugh, there's just lots of I could go on forever. I wonder if Megan Hilty even tried Probably to ask like, for it. Whatever, <laughs> just like right. get me on screen. Like you know, I I, I love that right. now they all talk about this show and they're like, oh, oh man right what's fascinating about this part of the season is that we're still piecing together what the maryland musical is going to be and at this point it seems like it could be a real show it's just as as the show goes on though you do start to get to a point like so maryland's gonna have 20 ballads like it's just like how on earth right or like where what is this plane number like what is happening where like where are all of these shenanigans but i I will and be covering so many two, large sets. Yeah, I mean, season two is even a wilder well, ride. Do you know the whole backstage thing with the writer uh, Teresa Rebecca? Where like, oh Mm-mm. man, I, I mean, I, had to, I need to like re- research all the details, but I do remember enough to like at least run my game out. I just remember reading that she obviously like created the show whatever was like the head writer and when the show started she was the head writer and she had you know a writer's room as you you know want to have on a show and the deborah messing character was actually based on her and so every time Uh her character gets so much screen time and so much focus on this guy like was this affair needed like i know it adds drama but like was this really needed and it's like also the cliffhanger of season oh one God. that I won't talk about and ruin that we never hear um, about again. I was like, what are these plot just like, lines? Just like, yeah, I can't even. Um, but she kind of like, as the show went on, started really butting heads with the network about the show and where, and so eventually she became apparently such a quote unquote nightmare to work with. I granted I'd love to see like the context of this, like in the modern times, I guess like it could be a whole different thing, but eventually there right. was no writer's room. She like released the writers and was writing everything herself. It was like, I will do it. And they were like, uh, and so when you, you, and you can feel it in the show as the season goes on. And I'm trying to, I want to keep checking in with like, where were we in, in, in that whole journey? Because this already right. feels like there's like a rickety reel on the wagon that's like oh okay like <laughs> like this whole deborah messing thing feels like it comes out of nowhere nowhere in this episode like suddenly she's totally. just like you know because again 
like she already has enough. She already has this damn baby that she's trying to adopt. And then you also right. introduce an affair? Like, uh, like what? Although I do uh feel like that is something that is so mm. common in the arts is this like we're so lost in never never land that we're gonna have all of these rickety affairs so like i do honor i tip i tip my hat that they were willing to go there or that they went there and there but is I agree, drama sort in of the like, theater as we know so it's not the most uh, not the most unrealistic just from a a tv storytelling standpoint i'm more like did we need I honestly think that they were just like, where are we going to go after these first two episodes? And they were like, how are we going to sustain this? She like, can we have need an to affair. create conflict. Yeah, it's like, um, I don't know if you've watched any of the like reality audition oh, TV shows from oh, like, absolutely. yeah, um, like the search for Elwoods, oh, oh, all yeah. of that. Um, and it's like, they're working to create so much friction in a process that is pretty yeah. boring. Boring, um, boring. Because they have to do... Yeah, the, because they have to do something. Right. And I really think that that is why this show suffered yeah. is because like they they don't care about showing us how a musical gets created. We were they want to show all us. all I cared to watch. I, I would have watched right, like, right. okay, let's run the number again. I would have been like, yeah, run it again. Like, you know, like, <laughs> right, like, can you show the director yelling? Like I the amount of times I've been in a process where someone gets yelled at because they don't want to do the number again after doing it. Like, let's see that drama. Yeah. Yeah, or, or like yeah. the the drama of key changes oh, or like getting rid of the numbers drama or of key uh, I mean Sunset Boulevard oh. I could do a whole documentary on the key changes with one look <laughs> oh man we know honey with just one note you can break our heart um <laughs> uh. I love Glenn Close but I, I I have I recently was watching a bunch of clips in Sunset Boulevard and I love Glenn Close I love her to death but I was like, oh, I really do notice the key changes more now as <laughs> I'm older and more. Thinner. Oh, it's I I still refuse <laughs> to even give Glenn Close that much attention in that okay, role because I I I stand Patty's. You should get a swimming pool from it, so it's all it's all okay. I mean, that's <laughs> all that matters. Yeah, it's like the one thing i will give the show though they are not afraid to show us the same number again. Like we have to watch some of these numbers. A uh, many a time, many a time. My favorite is you always like uh let's be bad is basically like always the number they're about yes. to rehearse before a commercial yeah. cutaway. It's always like da 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 and yeah, then yeah. they cut away like, like right Charleston, at the start. Charleston, Charleston commercial break. Yeah. yeah. That is by far and away. I won't get too ahead of your episodes, but that is by far and away the best number oh, in the I mean, entire That's where I'm like that's, down. that's great. Or even honestly, the first time they do the um uh let me be your star, like the whole like intro thing, I'm like, oh that that works. Oh well yeah. Theater. Oh yeah. I just wish that they would have given Karen a rolly suitcase to make it more real. That's the only well we talked about it on the show, but my favorite thing about that scene is that it's just a reading challenge with other girls like your father left because he didn't want you. Your mother's crazy. <laughs> it's just like there's like nobody wants you. You're nothing. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Um, so if you're if you're not a Karen Stan, it's a really good piece of television, that scene. <laughs> well, I could rant forever, and I already have talked to you about coming back to the show. So I feel like this will not be the end of our smash discussions. 
Yeah, I hope not. I would love to be here for some Rebecca oh, Duvall. Oh, I will have you back for Rebecca Duvall. We're not gonna. That will happen. Pompey. So before or the preview. Oh the preview my god! Episode. I can't even. I'm so excited. Um. So before I let you go, would you like to let the listeners know where they can find you and support you online? Anything you want to plug? Oh, sure. If you are a Patty Lapone stan, um, you can find me doing a bootleg version of her uh, at Inappropriate Patty on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and if you just want to see what my cat looks like, you can find me at JD Hooves 84 on Instagram. I love Patty's um, audition for Phantom. That was really great. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Hopefully she'll come through with a callback video for the actual I'm family sure or something. We'll I'm, sure she, I'm sure she was called back yeah. for at least one of the theater owners, maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Something. I'm sure there's something. Imagine they cast her as Carlotta. I mean, it would be insane. Uh, she'd be perfect <laughs> for it. Well, thank you for dropping by and talking about all, all, all the Smash related things. This is going to be an extra long episode, but you know what? I love it. I know. I you, have, <laughs> you have so much oh, editing whatever, to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> the people that listen to this, they will they will listen to a rant about Smash. So I, I consider it. It's it's all part of the game. And I can go. I can go oh, I have to like stop myself. I have things I want to talk about. Okay. Well, thank you so much for dropping by, and I will talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Yes. Thank of you course. for having me. Bye. <laughs> A big thank you again to Jonathan Hoover for dropping by the show. I cannot wait to have you back to go into the Uma Thurman of it all later in the season. And again, I just want to wish you a very big happy birthday, and I hope it's a fab one. Uh, Listeners, if you have enjoyed the show, hopefully you will consider going to iTunes and leaving a rate and review for the show. It helps the show. It makes me smile. It's great. I love hearing feedback. I love hearing what you're enjoying with the show, what you would like to see more of, what you would like to see me talk about in the future. Let me know. And you can follow the pod online at IAW Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also find our Facebook page where you can interact with all the other little fans. But I hope you all have a fabulous week. Hopefully you will check out Film Fridays coming this Friday, which will be about Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. It's a wild one and has a very baby Patricia Arquette. So it's a fun time. But I hope you all have a fab week and I will see you here next Tuesday for another edition of TV Tuesdays where we will be discussing Smash Season 1. Episode 4, The Cost of Art. Bye!